This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for the beginning of hour two. Kelly and Ramia, and you. I am at the home studio, London, Ontario. Sport coat on, white shirt, and the fedora sitting on top of the head. Ramya at the uh, main office in Toronto, hanging out there on main campus today. Welcome, Rum. Welcome back. Well, thank you, Kevin. The white table in front of the Toronto skyline and the lit up white and purple pillars. I'm also wearing a very comfortable, I decided to go comfy with the Friday vibes and uh, I'm wearing like a nice knitted black cardigan over a gray t-shirt. Well, comfortable is the way to go as we're swinging open the gateway to the weekend. We want people to just settle in, get all relaxed and ready, but also start thinking about making sure you enter our contest, folks. Speaking of relaxed and settled back, enter now for your chance to uh, win a Temper a Pro Adapt mattress. Tempur-Pedic mattresses are designed with one-of-a-kind temper material to precisely adapt to your weight, shape, and temperature, offering unmatched comfort and support for complete rules. If you want to enter to win this, folks, or any of your questions to you know that you want answers to before you enter, because you're going to do that, right? Uh, please visit ami.ca/krcontest, and this dream big contest runs until February the 8th, so we want to make sure you get in on it. Time to talk gardening as we begin the second hour of the program. Let's welcome in our gardener to talk today to us about, well, really cool stuff, but it's so wonderful just to have her back. Susan Kearney. Hey, Susan, how are you? Good. Um, so we just talked about the contest, and you're going to now talk about something lucky. <laughs> I like oh, this. We're yes, featuring nice. the yes. lucky jade plants. Why is it lucky? Yes. Well, I guess that's what they, um, some people call it, the lucky jade plant or the lucky money plant. Um, ah. Its leaves don't feel like um, coins. No. Um, they're thick because it's part of the succulent family and rather mm -hmm. triangle shaped. So I don't know where it got the lucky money, money plant, um, yeah. plant from, but yeah. Yeah, it's, it's like a lot of Eastern Asia that um, you know refers it to refers to the jade as the money plant and knowing the money plant as being a symbolism of luck. But it's true. Uh, I um, my exposure to the money plant is quite recent, like the last couple of years. And I will say, <laughs> when I first felt the leaves, I was like, these don't feel like coins because <laughs> I really but, I thought it was supposed to be not. a resemblance, like a physical resemblance. Yes, yes. But tell us yes. about that, Sue. About you said part of the how do you say it? Succulent. It is part of the succulent family, uh, and but it is also a vine. Uh, and some of some of my plants actually, they the stems and they're very thick. The stems are very thick and woody. They'll actually grow um, in in different directions. They don't. Some will stand up straight. Some will sort of wind around. I'll find some sort of falling off the the uh, the table and um, starting uh -oh. their own journey <laughs> down. Uh, and then I have to prop them up um, because they're quite the the leaves are quite heavy because it is a succulent. So they're holding all that water. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so it is, the leaves can be quite heavy. She does have to be propped up, and I I have to do that uh, once in a while. I go around to all my plants, uh, my jade plants, and I have to tie the the, um, stems up because they they will droop down. As I say, they're heavy. And and how hard on them is that? When, When... When they droop like that, is it, you know, I mean, obviously like us, leaving an arm down, you know, and blood flow, like what, what's the negative side? I don't think there is one, except if it's the vine plant. I would suspect if it was in its natural habitat, it would probably go along the ground too. And maybe wind around Mm -hmm. things because they do, um, some of mine look like, the stems look like they have elbows, like they, you know, elbows because they've they've bent around um, each other. I didn't yeah. know that that uh, they get really like they spread out so much like that, Susan. My money yeah. plant stayed quite small for a really long time. But I'm curious, uh, um, when you say you tie them up, do you use like something to help them stand up as yeah. well? I actually use um I I, I use bamboo stakes okay. uh, and some of them I, I have to I have to cut uh, because they you know that some of them are really tall and I don't really need tall I just need stability right. and then you mm-hmm. put that into the soil and put a little bit of um, a, a very fine twine I use a very fine twine and um, and hold them up and or sometimes just lean them against the uh, the bamboo stakes so that they 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 they're not hanging down. Mm. Uh, and, right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And will they will they kind of follow that in any way as as a vine? You know, sometimes, like you said, they'll avoid each other to an extent or go around so those elbows yeah. appear. Will they kind of follow that so that you know once you get it, or is the tendency due to gravity always to? Oh. Well, sometimes they'll they'll fall over, but then I I stake them back up again. I don't up. even really know that that's the way they're, they're supposed to grow, but it's it's just easier because when they're falling when they're falling down right. around the, the pot and and off the table yeah. and you know, and, and it's it's just to me it just looks neater. Maybe I mean maybe yeah. I'm you know. For aesthetic purposes, we're going to tie well, you up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think you yeah. probably appreciate that's kind of like you know yeah. you're tidying yeah. them up, helping them, helping the plant. Yeah. My mom's money plant is quite large and it hangs completely down like she has it uh, (laughs) up on a higher surface so it's out of the pot and taller than most of us in the family I think. Oh yes, yeah. some of them can get really large, and and this is why um, they're a, they're a good plant uh, to to have in in your home because if you don't repot them uh, every year, then then they tend to stay much smaller, uh-huh. and they don't need they they like to be root bound too, which is really interesting, and and they're good. Uh, they're a great plant to choose if you if you travel. If you're not home a lot and you don't want you know a lot of fussing with the plant, uh, it, it doesn't mind not having water for um, ten to two, ten days yes. to two weeks. I've experimented uh, so with it, that. It's a really it's, it's easy. It's an easy plant to get along with, and um, and 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 I I highly suggest somebody you know, go out and get a lucky uh, a lucky jade plant. That that would be fun. The- does anything happen to the leaves in that time period if you're not they home? Ch- and it, Do you come back dry. and do they feel different? They, get- they dry up, and I do go and I prune them off. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and you could, that's how you can tell um, that they're, believe it or not, getting too much water or not getting enough mm-hmm. water. So you have right. to figure that out. Getting too much water um, will also dry the, the, the leaves up. Um, they, wow. they, they don't like it. 
because they're I want to ask about that though Susan because Mm -hmm. I've personally and um, seen all over the internet so fun uh, that people actually grow their jade plants in water like they just keep them directly in water and then they they live I don't know if they grow as much but they definitely survive and never tried it okay Hmm. I have never tried so just in a pot of water well that's it I I will have to um cut one of my jade plants down and um, re- and root it and then... See. Yes, I'm so curious heard, if it'll come for you. Because some people have, uh, you know, testimonial-wise, uh, said that theirs wouldn't pick up. Like if they could cut their um, stem mm-hmm. and try to re-root re- uh, it, it wouldn't do it. But uh, other ones that you can even buy them just right in water, which is seriously interesting. interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I've I've never done that, but I do know that um, with my jade, my older jade plant, and she gives away her age because right now she's flowering. She's got white flowers on her. Wow! And the flowers can be white or pink, and they don't flower until they're four to five years old. Oh. They must be very mature. Okay. That's, I, I didn't even realize that um, plants could have life cycles like that. Now, is that common for succulents? Um, it can be, but for the jade plant, it, 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 is, uh, it is an absolute. Okay. Uh, it will not um, flower until it's about four or five years old. So my, my, the, the large one, um, she, she's, I don't even know how old it is. It's old. It's, and it's big, um, and I just keep on taking bits of her off and repotting them or uh, regrowing them. I think I've got about 10 in the house now. Mm. Um, she has lots of children and grandchildren. I think even <laughs> great-grandchildren now. <laughs> that's amazing. That, yeah, that's yeah. fascinating. Like, the life cycle is beyond just, you know, seasonal for the mm-hmm. jade. Yes. Yeah, they and, and as I said, they're easy to get along with, and they they last a long time. They do, yeah, uh, and yeah, they do. They're lovely. They're a lovely plant. Um, do you pot your jades with other plants, other succulents? Do you have kind no. of a garden? Okay. Oh no. Okay. No. <laughs> no, I I don't. And and the reason for that is uh, mainly for me because when I'm uh, working with the plants, I like my plants to be separate because. And then I know what I'm actually working working with. Mm. Uh, if you get too many into um, a, a planter, um, and, unless you know exactly what's there, uh, then you, you you might be doing something different with a, a, another plant that doesn't like what you're doing with the other plant. Right. Uh, so I I tend to keep my plants separate, which takes up an awful lot of space, but it's all right. <laughs> But it's your thing. Um, and yeah, and uh, we've talked in the past about the different plants that will get along with other ones, especially if you're, yes. you know, putting them into the ground outside, like yes. in the soil. Yes. Um, but yes, Pair, pairing plants, yes. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that, that is good because then, it, you know, then you don't run into disease problems or moisture, you know, too much moisture or not enough moisture. Right. So the, the jade plant, I've never planted with anything else. I'm, but I am going to try this thing with water. That's very interesting. Try it, let me know. To do. And if it's an epic Thank fail, you. remember, it wasn't just me. Like, <laughs> other people have done this too. Okay, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I shall try it. Right. It's um, a challenge. 
I uh, I asked about you know potting other plants together with the jade because yeah. you know the succulent garden is so common now like uh, gifting yeah. people just a a variety of succulents all planted together and I always yeah. wonder do people just keep it that way or do you end up Oh, no, you know, I get them and separate them all out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I have received a couple of those, and I just say, oh, okay, I'm going to take this out and this out and this out, and um, yeah, and, and then I put them all into their own 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 little spaces, may have them together, but um, no, I, I tend to take them all out. I, I think a lot of it is, is um, pretty. It's, it's pretty marketing it's cute, um, when you yeah. do all the succulents <laughs> together because many of them are very different colors. In fact, some of the jade plants, um, they have purple on their leaves too. I've, that's oh. never happened to any of mine, but they can have a per, like purple stripes in them. Not that's all gorgeous. the time. Mm-hmm, did, yeah. we, did we even and discuss like whether, what color are they actually, the, green, the leaves are the green? They're actually like a... Deep, deep green. Okay. Um, very, and they and they feel they look shiny, like exactly the way they feel. Their leaves are quite maybe shiny, a shiny green. Maybe the shine is what made them uh, become money plants. Susan, thank maybe. you so much. This is a lovely convo, Bye. and I'm excited that we're going to keep talking Fridays with you. Bye. Susan Kearney is our gardener who joins us every Friday. Today we covered the money plant, also known as the jade. And we're going to take a break and come back with Ryan Huey for the Chatty Bookshelf. We're talking sci-fi today. Be right back. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. As we fix and troubleshoot the fun tech glitches that come upon Kelly McDonald on a Friday afternoon, we carry on with the show. This is Kelly and Ramia on AMI, and we get into a Friday staple at this time. We love talking audiobooks just before the weekend and leave people with recommendations and just a refreshed attitude about reading. Let's bring on Ryan Huey for the Chatty Bookshelf. Who knew an entire library could fit inside your pocket? I'm Ryan Huey. This is the Chatty Bookshelf, where we talk audiobook trends, news, and author interviews. Hey, Ryan, how's your reading week going? Hey, thanks for having me back. It's going really well, actually. And uh, you know what? I've had some some time to get down to the nitty gritty and even clear up that to read list and that Amazon or Audible, I should say, wish list. But uh, even more exciting is this just happened this morning, but I made a new author friend and he might want to come on the show. So yes, I'm, I'm pushing him. So keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, your author friends, narrator friends, all of the above come with strings and the strings is that they got to come on the chatty bookshelf. Well, usually they give me, they're like, hey, do you want to listen to this? I'll give you a code, but you got to leave a review. And they don't say it has to be positive or negative. So that I'm like, well, I'll leave you a review, but, you know, think you should know that, uh, you know, we host a show and yeah. this is what we do. So, yeah, fingers crossed. That's right. Yeah, this is the exact cold call conversation, right? Like, give me a free book and I'll let you come on our show. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. Um, now, are you on track, by the way, for your reading goals for the year so far? I know it's still early in the game. I think so. So I've completed, give or take, two and let's say three quarters books. Uh, so once I finish this third book, I'll know because right after it says you are on track or you're one book behind uh, okay. or you're three books behind. So I, it says I'm on track now, but that was updated 
the last when I finished uh, my second book, which is about a say two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I'm I think I'm gonna be maybe a little bit behind, but uh, they do a good job of, of tracking that stuff, and they're pretty on point. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. What about you? Um, I didn't really make a reading goal. It was just to read as much as I did last year. And actually, mine is a bit more vague and more leaning towards what I'm going to read. You know, more memoirs, more nonfiction. Okay. Uh, I used to be such a hard-headed person about, you know, I will only read this kind of thing and this is what I'm into. But um, absolutely uh, gone from that mindset and taking recommendations left and right and being part of book clubs where everybody picks is fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. I'm pr- I'm I'm pretty stubborn myself, but you know what? I might have just the thing for you. So just in 2023 and this isn't new, but what they do in January and, you know, into February is that a lot of audio uh, audiobook uh, magazines, so like audiobook file, uh you know, a lot of publishers, a lot of uh different authors and stuff, they will release best of lists or lists that we're looking out for or all kinds of different lists and this year's are really interesting because there's books to make you better at work uh books to Mm -hmm. make you more productive at work i should say um you know there's uh, books to read with your family books for the children to read to you there's all kinds of different things you know there's the best of the thrillers uh there's like thrill house books and there's um books that will make you mad and uh there's all kinds of different lists and there's some really good ones out there. I had to actually stop after I made my way through about 11 lists. I'm like, I've, I've went down this rabbit hole too far. I need to go back and kind of tailor what I'm going to be reading and what I should be looking at. So they're, they're just amazing, the amount of uh, lists that get put out. And what did you do? You picked your favorite list to bring here? Come on, right? You know what? Too I picked easy. one that I think, actually, I, I picked one that it's right in my wheelhouse, of course. Uh-huh. But you know what? I think it has a kind of a special sort of caveat to it. All right. Uh, so it's the sci-fi for beginners list. And obviously, I love my science fiction. But the caveat is it's binge-worthy. So all of the books in the series are already out. And we know that's huge because you sit there and you you know listen to or read book number one. And all of a sudden, you got to wait maybe upwards of a year for the next one and it kind of isn't fresh in your mind you're you got that book hangover so these ones are really you can just get going with it right you can and you know we we're the we're getting content from all over the place whether it's tv shows movies books uh and all of it is just you know at our fingertips and you can just click and go and get lost like i said down that rabbit hole and watch hours or listen to hours so i think this one's really cool yeah, binge-worthy is definitely the buzzword, too. Like, wherever you look on streaming services, it's binge-worthy this, binge-worthy that. So it's um, kind of playing at a being a category now. So what, you said sci-fi for beginners that are binge-worthy. Um, where do you want to start? So there are six different series on this one, and the comments were unbelievable. There was They were so engaging. Uh, there was upwards of 600 comments last I checked, so people are definitely engaging. So Audiophile Magazine, kudos to you, because that is, that is great, and I just wonder if the other lists are that engaging or, you know, getting that much content from from the social media world. Uh, I found it on Twitter, but then I also did see it on Facebook and Instagram too. So it, it is definitely out there. I wanted to highlight two books here because they're they're really cool and they, they have sort of a little bit of a spin on them. But uh, I, I think that these are where I want to start on this list because they're three books each. So they're trilogies. Uh, and uh, there is a little bit of a spinoff coming from the second one we're going to talk about. But for the most part, you can read the three and 
you know, you might be able to do it in a month, couple months. Uh, and these ones seem to be pretty widely available. Okay. So the first one, the first Wings of Ebony. Okay. And this one is super cool. Um, so it's, it's Manny Turpin is the, uh, narrator and fantastic. It's top notch. Uh, all of the reviews, all of the things that people were saying about, uh, about the narrator and the narration was just great. I guess there's several different characters that they voice and, it's all accents. Every single person has a different accent in the in the book, and it ranges from you know European to African to um, you know Asian and anything in between. So these the accents. There's even a German accent in there uh, that I saw, and people were commenting on some of the characters, and there was a little bit of spoilers there because they're like, "Oh, this accent is you know so good when this happens," and I'm like, "Oh my uh, goodness, stop it, Ryan, stop reading," mm -mm. or you know you know fix your comments, guys. But uh, it's really great. It's magic. Magical. And just a one kind of second synopsis is it's about a black teen who has uh, some superpowers and he's trying to give um, his family and the people of his kingdom back their superpowers uh, because somehow they're lost. I haven't uh, haven't got there yet, but uh, I'm going to get there soon. And I think it's people are saying it's just magical. And um, Manny definitely brings all of the landscapes and all of the characters to life. So this is the trilogy, right? Yes, this one's a trilogy, okay. and uh, it won Audi. It won an Audi last year, and mm -hmm. it was uh, on the top of the list. Uh, the, the third book in the series won an Audi last year, and it was one of the top um, listens uh, for months and months and months from Audiophile wow. magazine. And one narrator, just doing one an narrator. exceptional yes. job yeah. with performance. Okay. Yes. So cool. I love it. Um, we'll come back to that one, but tell us what the second one is. The second one, this one really caught my eye, uh, and it's called All of Us Villains. And here's a spin for you, a little bit of surprise. The bad guys win in this one. Is that uh, a spoiler alert? Well, no, but uh, okay. so uh, that's what that's how it's actually marketed. That's the tagline. All right, it's fine. Like, uh, you know, the bad guys win. So uh, it was a really, it's really, really cool. A really great idea. This is a dual narration, um, and it's 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 really, really just. Again, the imagery and the scenery is so great. Uh, there's not too many accents from what I read in the comment, but the the, pro the performances and the different points of view are great because it's seven families, so seven different points of view. And I guess it's sort of like, um, if you've ever seen the movie Vantage Point uh, that came out in the early 2000s where it's one sort of thing going on, but you get seven different viewpoints of it. So I guess the points of view are really, really great. And just uh, they really give you kind of a different appeal each different time. So, you know, family one will or character one sees this, but then from the other angle, mm. it's it's completely different. And I think I really like that. Uh, it says each chapter is a different point of view. So you could be jumping back and forth. So they say it um, when you're listening to kind of be mindful to listen to the first little bit to kind of get in that mindset of where you might be within the story, because it does jump back and forth a bit. Yeah, this one sounds really like there's a lot going on. You said you'd enjoy that. Um, but it, how many books again in this one? This one is three, but there is a okay. spinoff coming. So I guess there's a I fourth see, yeah. and fifth kind of short story coming. And I guess they're trying to package that as a um, as a single book. And so it'll be the fourth book. But I guess it's uh, in the time frame and in the universe, it kind of jumps around from here, there and everywhere. Mm. So uh, I guess it's for like the big fans of this one that really, really enjoy it. But this one just sounds cool because I, I mean, 
the villains don't win too often and then that's when you're putting out as the tagline so you're getting people are rooting going for the villains and i get right i guess yeah. you you learn to love to hate the villains or i guess just love the villains Angel. a lot in this one yeah. because they, they really give um sound emotion to to all the characters Hey, characters are characters, right? And like you can fall in love with whoever. But uh, I love when uh, books and writers blur the lines a little between good guy and bad guy. And everyone's got a little good, everyone's got a little bad. But uh, you, then sometimes you go traditional and you say, "Yeah, but we want the bad guys to win today." Why did you? And pick... you know what? It's uh -huh. it's great because you know when you blur that line, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be liking this guy, but I do. Exactly. Um, and I and I find myself doing that quite often now. You know, the more I delve into the into the books. Yep. Oh man. Uh, and I was going to make a TV reference to Breaking Bad, and that was exactly that's prime a perfect example. example. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Why did you pick these two? Because you said there were six on the list, right? What the first one yes. you're already in the midst of reading. Yes, so the first one I'm kind of I just started it, so uh, that's that's going to be the one that I finish up uh, probably this weekend. Uh, but I really picked these because of the amount of comments and seem to be the the two that were most commented on. And they didn't rank these books, right? It was just mostly a list. It wasn't like oh, here's one through six. Uh, it was just a, a list, and um, these two happened to just be catching everybody's eye. Uh, I can't, I couldn't tell how old the people that were commenting were, um, but it seemed to be like the vast majority were on these two. Another reason was, uh, again, they're all the, the why I picked the entire list was it's binge worthy, right? You don't have to wait. So if you're that type of person that's like, oh, once I get through book one, I want to get through book two, three, four, and five right away, you can do that. Uh, and secondly, I looked up and um, these are available on all retailers and on Sila. So you guys can Very grab good. them wherever you guys borrow your books or wherever you choose to buy them. Okay, I love that. Um, thanks for doing that for us because most definitely, you know, it's a wonderful read, but it's not yet available in audiobook would have been uh, down. <laughs> but I'm curious too, because you're a huge sci-fi fan, as you mentioned, and just like a, a fantasy fan overall, what differentiates for you the difference between something just being fantasy and something being sci-fi? Do you have an answer for that? It's so blurry. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, science fiction is, I mean, really, is it fiction? We don't even know anymore, right? You have mm -hmm. this time travel, you have this um, crazy technology, but we don't know. It could be like, you just think even 10 years ago, it was crazy for me to think I wouldn't have to poke my fingers to check my blood sugar. But now I scan my phone over a thing on my arm. Yep. So it's like, you know, is Ryan a robot now? So it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Where th That's a very good question. And I mean, fantasy would obviously and again i don't know maybe maybe there is somebody out there but you know you have somebody with the magic powers or something that would definitely be a little bit of on the fantasy side for me but who knows right i mean yeah. you have hoverboards for kids now and you have uh, all this, these crazy things so it's like uh are we getting there um and it seems to be you can do more and more on the phones like uh even uh we were having a discussion a couple of friends and i about uh you know remember when you had to plug your computer into the wall and then you had to have the internet coming out so now it's even you know you bring your internet with you in right. this little square in your pocket so you're pointing really out like futuristic question. seeming concepts that end right? up being and, real life which and how felt, close yeah. are we to them right yes. yeah like you know i i love the books where um the space adventurers go to mars and i'm like how close are we really you know yes. I, I i yeah it's the sci-fi uh, yeah we never really know yeah now that's really interesting and and the elements that you point out you know kind of futuristic or time travel or like this just isn't real yet but it, there's uh, uh 
reason to believe that it will be soon or could be uh, or to be looking back in time and doing the same thing is kind of cool and then magic and powers and yes. superheroes yeah. and all of that stuff seem a little more towards fantasy i don't know because i don't read enough of this to know or have an idea of the different elements but i think at the end of the day that's what they are right like just a combination of different elements to create this world and I just, I wonder, like we were talking about how ahead of our time are we with in terms of, you know, the authors and the narration of, of these books and, and what they're writing about? Because, you know, you, you look back at shows from the 90s and they mm -hmm. were saying things and now they're entirely true now. And it's yeah. um, like even, you know, people, uh, my dad was uh, talking about the other day when he thought the Jetsons were, the world was going to be like the Jetsons one day. And uh, it's, it, you know, the year that they take, that they live in isn't too far away. So are, are we close? Are we not close? Mm -hmm. that, that sort of thing. It's, it's really interesting. It's a, it's a great question. I've seen it brought up on many author panels uh, and it's one I like to ask, um, you know, what's the, what's the blurred, where, where is it for you? What, yeah. what, what does it for, uh, yeah. you know, for authors and narrators? And where do you, to to... like as a fan say, nah, that's too sci-fi or not enough sci-fi for me. Right. right. Thank you, yeah. man. Thanks for indulging me. Take care. Ryan Huey joins us on the Chatty Bookshelf once a week on Fridays, giving us recommendations and fun things to check out over the weekend for our audiobook listening. After the break, we're doing Cut for Time, where we weigh in on conversations and reflect on these discussions from the last week. This is Kelly and Romia. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Romia return in a minute. Kelly and Ramya with you on the go. You can stream AMI-audio on your desktop or mobile devices. Find us on TuneIn Radio, OOTunes, and as a preset on your Victor Reader stream. Or head to AMI.ca slash listen live for our live feed. As we wrap up the week of shows, we have this tradition of... Um, Cut for Time, which is when we have reflections of conversations, discussions, and most importantly, get to say what we had to say and didn't have time for. Can you imagine? Not enough time to talk during this show. Yes, but it does happen. And there are many, many, many wonderful things that get discussed on this show. So it's kind of difficult at the end of the week to say, okay, this is the one thing that I want to spend a couple minutes chatting about. But uh, it's nice because we've carved out that time and we get to discuss it. And then, you know, you get an idea of things that we've talked about throughout the week. If you didn't get a chance to join us live during the repeats, or on podcast. So Grant Hardy joins me. I'm Ramia Amuthan. Grant Hardy joins me right now to um, go through Cut for Time together. And Grant, if we can get Kelly on, then we'll get his thoughts as well. But he might have a cut for Cut for Time next week. We'll I was see. just going to say, is this <laughs> is this the new tradition? Like we're cutting a host during yeah, Cut for right. Time? Exactly. Because I don't want to see how that would end. Because yeah. by the third week, Cut for Time... We'll have zero host left. Zero host left, right. or like one host doing all three. Right. <laughs> we cut other hosts off. Yes. Oh, man. Um, Too good. But yeah, we'll start with you. So this is kind of a little fun fact, actually, about this clip. I, I met this woman uh, when we were teens. We met on uh, uh, like a forum bulletin board, and she used to tutor me in math. Isn't that insane? <laughs> um, but uh, she ended up advancing her math and science focused career and now works for an organization called Astro Access, which seeks to improve 
inclusion of people with disabilities in space exploration. Here is Lindsay Yazzolino talking a little bit about her work. We're just getting the clip. Uh, I ready. hope I don't have to do my best <laughs> impression. I hope not either as well. <laughs> so there were a few All right. the people with various disabilities. So there were blind people, deaf people, people with um, who use wheelchairs and um, a couple of uh, people who are neurodivergent. And so we, we tended to uh, work on projects based on accessibility needs and things that seemed important based on those. So, uh, the blind crew of which I was a part, uh, we were working on a project where we developed a system of tactile graphics to help people orient while they're in zero gravity. Because if you think about it, you know, you're blind, mm. there's no yeah. gravity. You don't know, like, there's not that automatic, um, you know, we like when we have gravity, we don't even have to think about where the floor is. But when right. you when you don't have gravity, any surface you land on could potentially be the floor, it could be the ceiling, it could be the walls. Yeah. So we developed a system of tactile graphics. So, you know, you might be floating around, you reach out, you touch a wall, and you can feel a symbol and be like, ooh, which way is down? So there, man, there's so much here. I know. We always talk about how cool it is to have women in STEM careers, but this woman is just insanely talented like she's she's awesome and totally a credit to to the stem industry uh but you know what i think is so interesting is that you know people always talk about accessibility as you know for people with disabilities some people need it and some people don't need it but what was interesting is um you know her system of tactile sort of graphics basically that she developed for zero gravity uh they're trying to standardize basically these symbols that you can feel that would be on the walls of the plane or uh the ship uh, and it helps orientate blind and partially sighted individuals to what's up and what's down but one interesting point that she made is that it actually could really assist a sighted person as well in mm -hmm. an emergency situation because when your power goes out your lights go out my brother and I used to think it was hilarious in our high school when our power went out and everybody just went nuts because they couldn't see and they couldn't find the exits and we were just sort of walking you know just normally oh, to, to the exit. So, <laughs> so I just found it interesting that, you know, you may say like, oh, a, bl a blind person would never do this kind of career. This just isn't a thing that we would do. But not only is she proving that we may indeed have a place in this type of STEM career, it may actually benefit people other than us. So having those diverse perspectives can be really beneficial. Oh my gosh, yeah. And she pointed to, like you said, so much. This entire conversation and the part two that is definitely happening on the show uh, is worth several re-listens because there's something you'll pick up every time that uh, feels new. When she was talking about this in this clip, particularly, Grant, I thought of orientation and mobility because, you know, you, I, and Kelly have had several conversations about O&M skill development and lack thereof for members of the community and things like that. But just imagining how disoriented you would feel um, with zero gravity. Like, there, there's just so much to take in about that concept. You know, this tactile uh, indication system is one way to, to handle, but 
How about all these other things? Like, how do you know how fast you're moving, how hard you've pushed, the intensity of your movements, and how do you get, like, just wrapping my head around all the changes from what I know here on Earth right now yeah. in my, my movement, my <laughs> body, like, all of the above, to take away gravity and done. Like, everything as we know it is gone. And for someone with low vision, how disorienting that could be, and differently disorienting for someone who has no vision, uh, it's fascinating to me. When I read Chris Hadfield's book, his first one, sorry, I can't uh, recall the title right now, mm -hmm. I was in awe of, you know, imagining myself in the situations that he's put himself through or, you know, astronauts train for. I'm thinking, there's got to be so much extra effort put into this yeah yeah i would i would totally agree with that i can't, can't even imagine that <laughs> it's just just having more than sort of your typical perspective of the person that you would typically expect to be in zero gravity but actually having people from the disability community we may actually yeah. be able to advance the cause more which i mean let's be real we might need to one day if the earth you know, if we keep not being good to the earth, we might need space exploration one day. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, that's a little dark. <laughs> I was going to say, like, well, this went off. But no, 100% true, though. Like, we we have to be exploring these things because, uh, you know, it's, what are we going to say? Like, you're left behind? Uh-oh. That's a whole different problem. Um, Want to move to a di another discussion we had this week on Tuesday we had our monthly parenting chat with Lucia Belafonte, and this was an incredible conversation for me. Um, here she is explaining model reading. You know, whether your parent is is reading a book themselves and sharing that experience with you and letting you know that they've read something and really enjoying it, that's modeling yeah. reading. And another way is reading together or having the child read when they're able to read out loud as part of that shared experience. And then talking about what you've read together. And, and I don't mean it in the sense of like drilling your child and saying, you know, what was that book about? No, I just mean... A really nice natural conversation that the two two of you or however many of you there are are going to share and you could you know you could ask the question and say you know what was your favorite part of the story and why was it your favorite part and then going back to the idea of modeling you know we don't have to directly teach something to our children we can teach it when we model so for example if your child has answered and they've um, used a word inappropriately you as the adult can now use that word again in a sentence but appropriately and so you've modeled the correct way to use that word or that phrase and there you go without having to like you know sound like a drill sergeant i think mm -hmm. that's lovely lucia brings uh fourth conversations to the 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 show that are always presented in such loving gentle, beautiful, respectful ways. And I, I saw that and I felt that with this conversation. I love reading now and I'm, I would consider myself an avid audiobook listener, but this wasn't always the case for me. When I was growing up, 
it was difficult reading. It was difficult. I actually pretended to read for such a long time because I wanted to uh, win the prizes that my teachers were handing out for people who made it through books. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to get through this book. I just have to pretend my way through. And honestly, like this is a, it was a serious discomfort because I, I never felt in the zone with reading. And that's because everyone around me was sighted and was reading sighted, uh, quickly, you know, well, they were, they were presenting well, they were reading well, they were getting through books. And th this is anywhere from my family to my peers, to my friends, to my babysitters, my grandparents, whoever. But I couldn't find that spot. You know, this, this lovely, lovely kind of reading feels good. Reading is relaxing. Reading is actually a vibe. I couldn't find that because as a low vision person, I was discouraged, unfortunately, from reading Braille when I was uh, heading into school as a kid. And then I was told, well, le read large print. But that was straining for me. And carrying around big physical books because of the large print, uh, you know, hundreds of pages long and took up your entire desk space was also not great. And then the lighting would make such a big difference on how well I read. So I struggled with reading for pretty much a decade, if not more, and had to find the love for reading. So what she points out here, what Lucia is talking about, makes so much sense to me. And I think that if we can take part in reading this way, say, let's do it together, or you read what makes you feel good. You read how it makes you feel good. And maybe I can take part in that learning as well. Like you learn Braille and we learn Braille together. And you show options and choices and ways to actually feel good about reading. And I think that this makes such a big difference in people's lives. We don't, honestly, like I feel we don't have enough conversations about this, the early stages of reading. And when you hear people say, yeah, my dad is the reason why I love reading, or my mom taught me that going to the library was a, a good time. And I've picked that up over the years because of people who've modeled it for me. This is an extent of that, right? Or the beginning of that even. Um, Kelly, we have you back on. So I wondered if you wanted to comment. I say, cause I had a chance during Lucia's segment to comment on this. So I won't take up time really mm. too much with it, but that is the way that I felt put on the road to audiobooks, having my parents read to me, but hearing people speak, listening and picking up word choices and realizing at a very young age, there are many words to say the same thing. And you change it up and listening to a lot of broadcasters, it got me interested. Where I did stumble is because the accessibility of reading for me wasn't there. It had to be a form that I could do. And when I started to learn Braille, yeah, got better, got faster. But reading a lot with audio and then screen readers for with the computer um, really put me on that road. Do I Am I an avid sit down and read a book myself person? No, but I certainly would love to sit down and listen to a book and can lose myself definitely mm -hmm. in it. Do I strive and do I be a little more creative? No, no, I don't. And Grant, do you have a comment here? Do you want to make any yeah. before we slip into the last one? Yeah, you know what? There are so many parenting tips about like, here's how to make chores fun, whatever. And sometimes I'm mm -hmm. a bit skeptical. Reading though, reading, you truly can make fun. Yes. My family, we always read together. That was a huge thing that we did. Our mom read to us. We had the print braille books. Kids just 
dig those you know when mm-hmm. you bring them into the school they can feel the braille they can read the braille i i don't like when reading is so punitive and punishing yes. children for not mm. reading or reading the wrong thing or reading too too quickly i know we're short for time here so kelly i don't know if you want to move on to your clip or i'll jump into it but i do remember that whole well reading an audiobook doesn't count i remember the time of that Ugh. folks also on monday show we spoke with OM specialist mark rankin about his time as a consultant with a tv show here he's talking about how that went so we it was three weeks it was three weeks of shooting the pilot i, I was there for the whole thing because um I would so I, I just have a, a headset and I would sort of most of my time I would spend wandering around. Most of the time I would spend in the craft truck actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I was just like, going to say I probably made five kilograms truck. of uh, chocolate covered almonds <laughs> right. on that three week. But anyway, um, and then I'd hear when they start to shoot or or they'd block the the next scene and I would go out to make kind of just check what might be potential issues for her when whatever there was movement involved, um, and then they would shoot it and I would usually go through and say, oh, you know what, it it kind of looked funny, she you know, she sort of avoided something that she could only have done visually or, you know, something right. happened, right? And then they would run it back and maybe uh, shoot it again. So they weren't often, they weren't always crazy about me because often I would no. say that just didn't look right um, and explain it to them. And sometimes I felt that Lori and I were kind of like played off against each other because they would go to Lori yep. and say, uh, this is what we did. How's it sound? And she'd say, that sounds good. And then I would watch and I'd say, Lori, this is how it looked. And she'd say, oh, that's not so good. Mm. <laughs> so I have to wonder, are we at that point now where people have learned enough, whether it's through social media or, or seeing persons with disabilities reflected in shows, that now we can also accept there's sometimes not the nicest person who has a disability, not the not the, the, the worst, not the smartest, not the dumbest, okay? That we get to see the true diversity as we do others on screen that match all those different categories, including the way that somebody, three people, may pour their milk into their glass. Some with a finger, some with one of the uh, height detectors that tells them, hey, it's full or you're at this point. Somebody who goes by the sound as it pours and says, okay, I'm almost near the rim. I think guys, this is where I want to see. And I know for consultants, it, 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 for the longest time was almost a black and white. It had to be this way. You had to know how to be the best guide dog user, cane mm-hmm. user, person who makes the, without that being possible, because we don't have as many then, maybe yet, not yet, consultants that were professional enough yet that had so much experience being a consultant because it's so new. Do we need to take that information from everyone? Do we need to put it out there if we're reflecting a character? Yeah, but a character is a character, and what they do is what they do. You know, um, and I, I, I think that we're at that stage where we can call them out and say, "Well, I wouldn't do that," and that's okay. There are many people that are on television doing things, and the character next to them wouldn't do it the same way. But we understand that's life. Grant, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being with us here as we do our uh, Cut for Time segment. And of course, folks, you can check out all these segments through our podcast. Just simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Uh, Ramya and I will take a break. We'll return. We'll tell you a little bit about some things going on over the weekend on the networks and what our show has in store for you on Monday. It's Kelly and Ramya. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break.
going to have to be like me, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to check out one of the segments from the program, go check out the podcast. For example, the Chatty Bookshelf with Ryan Huey. I got to say, what little bit I could hear of that conversation during my technical issues that were going on sounded great. I do have to say there's definitely the dividing line, Ramya, mm. of sci-fi um, versus... Uh, um, what were we talking about? Fantasy, thank you. I knew we were, we were coming up with. Right. I, I think so many people would totally who are into one or the other say, uh, guys, there's a clear dividing line. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting is when you think about all the stuff, and we do this as kids, oh, wow. Uh, uh, you know, imagining talking to somebody and seeing them, wow, that's amazing. We do it all the time now with FaceTime and so on. But to us today, I really think what are writers putting into stories? That will be fact years yes. from now. I mean, the stuff we read in the 50s and 60s and heard about. <laughs> oh, that's great. Boy, what an imagination. Oh, we're doing it in the 80s now, yeah. whatever it might have been. Uh, and I think that that's truly when you get talking your sci-fi and some of those things. Uh, that's truly it. Fantasy. I love just the fact that somebody can be so creative and just invent a world. And I, I, I think that to me is the, the, to answer the question you put out there with Brian, I think that's really uh, the defining factor. Yeah, it's like and, dystopian becoming reality. And that's what Ryan was saying, too, when he was trying to explain his own perspectives and uh, interests, you know, of what yeah. he'll read. But I think you're right. There's probably a, a very solid line. It's just more how much will you go over that line to the other side. For sure. Mm -hmm. Folks, we'll give you a quick tease, too, as time's a little a little on against us here. Watch uh, this Saturday on AYTV, Employable Me. In the episode entitled Austin and Madison, race car driver Austin wants to turn his knowledge of cars into a paying job. Meanwhile, Madison, who has Down syndrome, is looking to pursue a career in modeling. Check it out Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV. Rum? All right, Saturday night, no, Sunday mornings on AMI-audio, uh, well, you got the best of the Globe and Mail today, and this is hosts Mike Ross and Corinne Van Dusen. They deliver news, editorials and business, sports and entertainment, everything and anything pulled from the week's edition of the Globe and Mail. The best of the Globe and Mail today airs Sunday on AMI-audio, 8 a.m. Eastern. And I've got to say, for the AMI-TV content, remember, check out the AMI app at any time to look for stuff on demand, of course, folks. Earlier this week, we talked about celebrating other uh, religious uh, and cultural holidays like the Lunar New Year. Monday on New Know Your Rights, we will look at a few cases where individuals have requested uh, those uh, things to be taken into consideration at their workplaces, but sometimes it conflicts with work or school. Familiar voice on the network, a community reporter on Now with Dave Brown, Milena Kazanavichis, is actually joining us to talk about her recent journey with a guide dog. Um, Louie has been retired, and Hope is now her new guide dog, and she's going to talk us through everything that's been going on around that for her. It was kind of a difficult time. Mm -hmm. That'll be during our AMI checkup, and uh, we'll be talking about holidays again, as I mentioned, with Danielle McLaughlin on Know Your Rights. Enjoy your weekend, Rum. Take care of yourself. We'll see you back here Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Yes, we will, Kels. Have a great weekend yourself. All right, folks. Get out of here, will ya? Hosts Kelly McDonald and Ramia Amadin. Reporter Grant Hardy. Senior show producer Jeff Ryman. Visual producer Megan McGrath. Graphics Andrew Antonello. Production assistant, Kingsley Juco. Control room operators, Daniel Penamondo, Eliza Rocco, Parker Oxtoby. Director, Irene Solomon. 
Manager of Live Production, Paula Deneen. Manager of Operations, Kyle Harper. Manager of AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Director of TV Production, Kara Nye. Vice President, Content Development and Production, John Melville. President and CEO, David Arrington. Give us your feedback, 1-866-509-4545. Copyright 2023, Accessible Media Inc. I remember as a low vision child, I was totally into this eat carrots. I didn't mind them, thank goodness, because there were other things they would say were good for your eyes too that I wasn't such a big fan on. Now, I did like spinach, of course, Popeye and the strength thing, so I was okay, but my family really didn't get into spinach, so there wasn't a lot of that around. So I had to just suffer with my iron pills, and which didn't help. I had an iron deficiency as a child. Lots of Flintstone vitamins, I remember. But definitely I bought into the carrots. Now, of course, I preferred it was carrot cake for sure once I discovered that, which I didn't really discover until I was about 11 or 12. And when my mother discovered that I liked carrot cake, oh, it was always around. The Philadelphia cream cheese, I think that's what gave her the hint because we got some of that in the house and she was, oh, he likes that. Oh, so then you can devise all sorts of different things that were baked goods that you could put that stuff on. You could make that that wonderful icing with it, i.e. in comes the carrot cake. And wasn't something a lot of my family liked. Again, it was kind of up there at the spinach, but we, we'd eat it. But boy, did I enjoy it. The moistness, the, the icing. Anyway, what else did I buy into when it came to the eyes? Well, of course, you know, you always hope for that super surgery. As a child, I was a huge fan of the $6 million man and thought, okay, if they can make that eye for, for him to read the, what's on a postage stamp, you know, 400 yards away, they can do something for me. Right. Well, maybe not today, but in a year or two, that year or two has never come yet, but I'm still waiting. It was so much fun to think of those things. And I know sometimes people might say, well, wasn't that like a tease, though? Stuff like the six million dollar man eating carrots. Did you actually convince yourself you could see more? And I don't know if as a child I knew my eyes were not going to be fixed anytime soon, that we weren't there in science, that the doctors couldn't do any more. They could work at preserving what I had. And I think at a young age, I did understand that much. But at a young age, I was also told, eventually I'll see nothing. So it was a happy mix to think of those kinds of things. The day I could have my bionic eye after, uh, you know, eating lots of carrot cake. You know, that was the fantasy that I had. And now I don't think about the eyes, about the bionic eye. But boy, lots of carrot cake does sound good. And again... Something I haven't had for a while, so maybe that's why my eyes are deteriorating. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.